Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Log Podcast. In this episode, we sat down with Major Siley Rodriguez for a really interesting chat about the female fitment program that she manages. She also serves as the Combat Ready Airman Deputy Branch Chief in the Human Systems Division of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center's Agile Combat Support Directorate. During the discussion, Major Rodriguez walks us through the history of female fitment and explains how the program is serving the needs of airmen across the Air Force, both on and off the flight line. Let's listen in on the conversation. Welcome again to Leadership Log, the AFLCMC podcast. We're here today with Major Siley Rodriguez, and she is the leader of the female fitment program for the Human Systems Division. Yes, sir. Ma'am, welcome. Thank you for coming with us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So let's just start off with the top and give us kind of an overview of what female fitment is and what, what you do. So female fitment within the human systems division is really, uh, it's been formulated to solve two goals. The first is to ensure that every single program within the human systems division has the full female anthropometric range incorporated um, into it as best as possible. And then the second goal is to go back and to communicate with outside organizations and make sure that that communication is uh, going back and forth between our organization. Okay. Right. And can you give us a, how did the program get started? Um, what was kind of the genesis for it? Um, so traditionally, our office has been focused on the needs of air crew. So we have definitely been in the game for going and developing human systems for air crew, managing those things into sustainment as well. And we have been taking um, into careful consideration to go back and to incorporate this female anthropometric range into the projects that we have. But what we noticed and that really, really came to a head about a year and a half ago was that that communication was not really uh, going back and forth very well with our outside communities, specifically with female air crew. And they definitely let us know that they have real deficiencies and have realized true gaps in the equipment that they currently have been given and um, and that they were not able to see that their voices were being heard. So what we have done within the Human Systems Division was to really bring to light uh, female fitment within the division and create new projects in order to go back and to solve the needs of our female air crew. In the process of doing that, we've been able to also really resolve needs for our male crew population as well. Um, some of our projects that we kicked off that I can talk to uh, will definitely benefit both genders. And then there are projects that we are focusing on that are very specifically meant to address the needs of that female air crew population. All right. So talk to us about uh, one of the things. I think one of the first efforts was in flight suits. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Um, so one of the things that we had heard uh, a year and a half ago was the fact that female air crew weren't aware that female uh, flight suits were available. Right. And so we did go back and address to them, hey, in fact, 
this coverall that you're wearing, the one-piece uh, mm -hmm. flight suit uh, that you're wearing, is not just available in a unisex size. It's also available in female sizing and also available with an extended zipper as well um, to facilitate in-flight bladder relief. So we were able to communicate that. But one of uh, the things that we did realize is that there might be a need for the creation of a two-piece female flight suit. So in our mobility air forces, you'll see that that uh, population is already wearing what's called the A2CU. And that is a two-piece flight suit, and the A2CU stands for the Army Air Crew Combat Uniform. It's currently only available in a unisex sizing uh, schematic. So what we did about a year ago, back in June, was brought together uh, female aircrew from both Air Force and Navy populations, and we had them to uh, put on the A2CU, and we conducted various measurements and were able to show that this uniform fit our female population very poorly. Okay. <laughs> and so from there, uh, we... Uh, have devised a different project, which is to go back and create female sizing for the two-piece flight suit for that A2CU. Um, that project right now is uh, is going forward, and pending COVID-19 further impacts, mm -hmm. we are really projected to go and do initial fit tests for the two-piece flight suit in the female um, sizing starting this summer. Okay. And how are you going to conduct that, that fit testing? Are you going to go to different installations? or? Right. So the plan is right now to go over to those female-centric bases and to uh, measure that flight suit, the prototypes, onto those female aircrew um, over at those bases. Uh, I will state that because of COVID-19, we're also looking at alternate means for conducting testing, mm -hmm. um, but that's something that's ongoing right now. The planning efforts are ongoing within the Air Force Uniform Office. Okay, and how does that fit testing typically happen? I mean, what, what does it look like? So typically what it is, is you've got your designers over, um, I'll state for our Air Force Uniform Office because they're leading this effort, uh, going and evaluating the fit on, on women, um, in this case, on women. So they'll just have them put on the garments and conduct various motions if they're standing, sitting, and taking a look at how the garment is fitting them, and not just evaluating that, but also talking to uh, the specific customer and mm -hmm. saying, what do you think about the placement of this particular pocket over in this location? Or can, based off of your experience and what you would be needing this particular garment for, mm -hmm. is it going to meet your needs? Um, so that's typically what's going to be done during that initial fit test. And then based off of the measurements that are taken and um, based off of the comments that are received, those prototypes will be revised, and then they'll go on to a second phase of testing, which is called the wear testing. And that's going to be for an extended duration of time, take this garment and um, conduct these types of activities and report back on how the garment is fitting. Okay. All right. That's great. Um, so what are some other projects that you're looking at doing 
for the air crew population specifically? So I'll talk right now about the maternity flight suit that we're okay. developing. So we have definitely heard the need to develop a maternity flight suit. Mm -hmm. um, and I will state that one of the goals ultimately for this maternity flight suit is definitely to provide a two-piece configuration um, of that particular uh, duty uniform. Right now we're going to start off with just a coverall version only because we want to be able to get um, a pregnancy flight suit into the hands of our customers sooner. Um, and we have developed prototype designs for that maternity flight suit aspect and are currently uh, working to refine those prototypes, uh, conduct any kind of testing that's needed um, that would include fit testing with participants um, and also various other tests that are needed later on in the calendar year. All right. So I guess you have to go out and find some pregnant airmen? Yes, yes. And get them to volunteer to be <laughs> fit tested? Yes. I don't think that um, I would imagine, I'd like to hope that the volunteering aspect uh, would be something that they would be interested in mm -hmm. because we've definitely heard their desires to keep on performing the tasks that, uh, that they came into the Air Force to perform. Right, so. absolutely, because if they don't have equipment that fits them, then I guess at some point they, they wouldn't be allowed to, to fly anymore. That's, that's essentially correct. And we received guidance um, from Headquarters Air Force that women are now being able to fly without any medical waivers needed uh, up until the 28th week of pregnancy. And I'm receiving word that that could be extended further. Um, but right now, it's, it's monumental that these women are being allowed right now to fly, but the only thing that's hindering them is what they're wearing. Yep. So we're working to correct that. Great. Okay. And so let's, uh, let's go on to some other projects. Uh, I know bladder control was something that you mentioned earlier. Yes. Yes, in-flight bladder relief is a huge deal, um, especially as air crew members are being tasked to fly longer and longer durations. We're not talking about a mere couple hours, hold it, you can relieve yourself when you get back on the ground. Mm -hmm. We're talking 10 or more hours in flight and needing to perform a very essential body function, which can seem so trivial, the fact that you have to go and use a restroom, but it really um, has been shown to either distract from the mission at hand or just downright, you know, cause very um, awful things downrange. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing right now is we have heard the need specifically from women to improve the devices that they have um, in order to perform in-flight bladder relief. Our goals are to maintain the safety of these air crew members and also to maintain their health. So currently, air crew members either have options that will negate one or both of those two main goals. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, uh, with regards to safety, we uh, know. We know that air crew members are uh, unharnessing themselves and safing their seats in order to prevent ejections just to go and relieve themselves, or they're using devices right now that aren't maintaining, maintaining that health um, for the duration of the flight period. So our, um, 
our efforts right now are to go back and to develop solutions that will meet the needs in those two categories. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have definitely heard the need uh, to develop those solutions for our female uh, air crew members, um, but we are also hearing that that is definitely a need for men um, flying in fifth gen aircraft as well. Um, And I'll state that uh, with regards to the solutions that we're doing, uh, we've got a couple solutions that we're working on right now. Um, We have two uh, that are being led by Navy, but that we are in heavy collaboration with. Um, And for those two efforts, we're looking at going into flight testing later on next year. Um, They're at the beginning stages, so they need to go through all sorts of development and testing um, prior to getting into uh, actual flight tests. But then thereafter, um, once we see that they've been flight tested and that they've been good, we'll go ahead and issue that safe to fly from our office saying, yep, this device is good to go. And then finally, um, one last project too with regards to in-flight bladder relief is doing uh, a challenge through AFWorks and that challenge will kick off this summer and essentially what we're doing there is going out to industry mm-hmm. and stating hey all you large corporations this is a big deal to the Air Force as well as to other sister services and especially for our um, our female population, and yes, definitely for our male population in fifth gen aircraft, what do you have? So that is going to be coming soon, starting uh, this summer. Because I, I would imagine in commercial industry aviation, they pilots have the ability to get up and go use a restroom that uh, military pilots don't have that option to do. Right. And and even within so even within our own population, right? We have an extended variation of options that are available. We do have certain platforms where people may be able to get up and go, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And what's even more interesting actually is that uh, these solutions that we develop could be extended beyond aircrew because there are certainly many ground communities that I've been hearing from anecdotally um, that are saying, hey, I wish that I had something like this to my avail too. So this is something that can definitely be extended to ground populations as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's fascinating. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can imagine commercial industry would have some solutions out there. There's got to be somebody who's dealt with this issue before, I'm sure. I would hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> and so we were looking to get some good ideas through, through AppWorks for that. That's kind yes, of sir. what AppWorks was, was mm-hmm. started for, to get uh, innovative solutions out of industry. So, all right, that, great. That's, a, that's, a, that's an, an excellent effort. So, yes. um, so what is another way then... So that might be one way that you can get some ideas, but you need feedback also um, from within the Air Force, and how are you looking to try and find that? Yes, so um, we are trying to do that by getting feedback directly from members themselves. And so what we've done so far is kicked off a project starting with our air crew members to be able to solicit feedback directly 
from the members themselves. That uh, project right now is going into a soft launch over to two bases, ACC bases, starting this summer. And pending successful launch there, we're looking to expand to other Air Force squadrons in a rolled out continuous basis. Um, we're starting off with our air crew members first because that is where we first heard the need. And that essentially goes back over to the female community that was stating, hey, I've got needs and no one is a addressing them and the need to go back and to communicate with them. This app is not just meant for female aircrew. It is definitely, definitely something that is for both men and women to be able to communicate deficiencies in the equipment that they've been issued and also to identify gaps that exist. Um, we're not circumventing existing systems. Um, we know very well our office ties in greatly with existing systems such as the Joint Deficiency Reporting System where we gather data for where these deficiencies are within the uh, systems that we manage, but it is an essence a way to increase the transparency uh, from the member all the way up to other uh, entities that are tied into the system to say, here's where my problem exists. So who are those other entities? It is our human systems division, mm -hmm. but it also includes the requirements owners. So uh, staff members over at MAGCOMS, people over at headquarters Air Force. This system allows transparency all the way across to all of those stakeholders to state, here is the reported problem and here's where we are with resolving that particular issue. Okay, and how does it, how does it do that? How does this app work? Kind of give us an idea. Sure. So right now what we're working on right, uh, is to go and put it into electronic flight books that air crew members have. Mm -hmm. um, it is a supplemental way of reporting deficiencies um, because we know that air crew members should be talking to the air crew flight equipment technicians that give them their gear. Um, but this app, in essence, allows them to also report uh, things that they may wish to report anonymously as okay. well. Um, and it also provides um, uh, a mechanism for them to track that specific issue that they had all the way to resolution, right? So they would just be going on to, the, to their electronic flight book and clicking uh, through the specified screens that are provided in order to uh, route that uh, issue over to the appropriate stakeholders involved. And so then you can take this information and potentially that could be lead to a program of record yes. to, um, to find a solution and field it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we would see it and it would be a way to also allow us to quantify where the need exists. And more specifically, uh, since MatchComs are able to see the problem set that exists within their specific uh, MAGCOMs, they're able to go about formulating requirements as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Uh, so our podcast listeners can't see, but uh, if you're watching this on video, you might notice that there's a couple mm -hmm. of flak vests uh, here on the table. Talk to us a little bit about why these are here. 
Sure. Um, I'll give a little bit of background information with regards to combat ready airmen, and that might tie into why we're seeing these particular vests. Um, so these are not aircrew vests. These are definitely vests that are meant for um, ground defenders, specifically for our female security forces. Um, but I did start off by stating that our office had traditionally uh, managed the needs of aircrew populations. Well, that changed um, almost a year ago now when um, we began and it's a phased approach to manage the needs of an additional 91% of the military population who's never had a program office to go and develop systems for their needs. Um, with regards to this particular vest, uh, Security Forces Center recognized a need to go about procuring a vest to solve the needs for its defenders with a female uh, shape. They had conducted research previously to go about and select vests based off of uh, their leadership's request to make sure that all of its defenders were equipped with the greatest possible vest available. Um, currently, right now, if you were to go over to various military installations, you would see that the defenders are all wearing something different. And um, in order to resolve the haves and have-nots, there was this mandate that was issued from their leadership to go back to go back and solve that need. Um, there was a government solution identified for the male population, but unfortunately, that same government solution. Um, did not show at the time that it could meet the needs of security forces female defenders. And so that need came over to our office and the security forces female body armor project is one of the first projects to kick off under combat ready airmen and that being the program to match that or to meet the needs of the additional 91%. What we did was we took a look at various different commercial off-the-shelf systems and went through a three-phased approach to evaluate all of the different products. Um, one, based off of what the contractor said that their vests could do. And then two, in a laboratory assessment, taking a look to make sure that it met the needs of the Air Force Security Forces Center. Um, one of the big things that I'll go through and, and point out is the fact that um, we wanted to make sure that the vest that we would select would meet the coverage area that is needed for protection but that would increase mobility. So this particular vest right now um, is able to decrease the amount of coverage that is needed but in such a way that still meets the protection requirements for the security forces center but that does allow that increased mobility aspect that you'll need. Um, what it very uh, notably does is allow now for women to go back and to use their rifles without having to move their vest over. The other thing that this vest will also allow for the female uh, population is just a better, um, a better tightening aspect around their torso so that it's not moving while they're moving and now exerting additional energy from security forces members while it's being operated. 
So yeah, it's, it's a great project. We were able to showcase this a couple weeks back uh, to the Secretary of the Air Force. And um, right now where we stand is we have gone through and selected the best that Security Forces members said that they preferred best. Um, and we are looking to start procuring that vest here pretty soon after a contract award. And that contract should be awarded um, by the end of May. And you said the feedback from the field so far from actual female security force defenders is that their additional mobility is, is huge, is that? Absolutely. So mobility has increased. Their energy levels are obviously um, higher as well, uh, just because they're not having to expend energy to control the vest movement. Mm -hmm. And so this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg, like you said, this, this expands yes. beyond air crews into now 90% mm -hmm. of the rest of the Air Force. Um, so what, what are some other projects that you look for in this, in this area? Um, are there other things that you're looking at projects? Yes, yeah, so there will be other projects that will come down the lane. Um, we right now, through Combat Ready Airmen, receive our requirements from AFMC A4, and they are opening the door to other communities in the Air Force, gathering those requirements from them. Uh, once those requirements have been received and they go through a vetting process, mm -hmm. they'll come over to the Human Systems Division, and we will begin development to solve those needs. So bottom line, I've heard the story told before where um, equipment had become a hindrance to people mm -hmm. and that in some instances people weren't able to properly do their jobs because they didn't have the right equipment to do that. that and that's ultimately that's your your problem to solve. Yes. Correct? Yes. Give them gear that fits. Give them gear that fits. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, ma'am, thank you very much for uh, sitting with us today and telling us a little bit about female fitment. It's, uh, it's really exciting and it's, and it's inspirational to hear that people are dedicated to solving these problems, but also listening to the, to the field and getting feedback about what problems are out there. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciated this. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Blog Podcast. Hopefully you now have a better understanding of some of the work being done by the folks in our Human Systems Division of the Agile Combat Support Directorate. They're doing incredible work to rapidly fill some critical needs of our airmen across the Air Force. For more information about female fitment and for all things related to AFL-CMC, visit our website at www.aflcmc.af.mil. And if you haven't already done so, then please consider subscribing and don't forget to follow and like us on our social media platforms. You can also see a video version of this and all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. If you have an idea for a future episode on a topic that would interest the AFL-CMC family, shoot us an email at aflcmc.pa.mediateam at us.af.mil. Until next time, stay strong, stay safe, and keep providing what warfighters need when they need it.